Hello, Rebels. This is a free audio podcast of my weekly show, Rebel Roundup. Tonight, my guests are Kian Bexty and Sheila Gunn-Reed. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, you would love watching. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber. You get access to this show as well as Sheila Gunn-Reed's Wednesday night show, The Gun Show, and Ezra's daily show, The Ezra Levant Show. It's only $8 a month or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnews.com subscribe to become a member. And now, enjoy my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. So I thought we had regime change recently in Alberta, but if that's the case, why was Kian Bexty escorted out of the legislature at the request of an NDP MLA? Well, Kian will be by to talk about what exactly went down. So, when it, what are the rules when it comes to having sex during the Wuhan virus? Well, thank God we have government bureaucrats to set us straight by publishing pandemic sex advice. Yes, Sheila Gunn-Reed will try to keep a straight face as she delivers the goods on government-endorsed tips pertaining to horizontal jogging. And finally, letters. We get your letters. We get your letters every minute of every day. And I'll share some of your responses regarding our video when we uncovered that A, many of those tents at the Afro-Indigenous Rising Collective illegally occupying Nathan Phillips Square in Toronto are actually empty. And B, some of the ringleaders of this group, well, they're not sleeping in those tents. Rather, they're staying at the Swank Sheridan Hotel across the street where rooms start at $277 a night. Yep, it's all one big fat scam, folks. Those are your Rebels. Now let's round them up. Well, the NDP weren't happy that I were there and they called in the Sheriff's Department. I had a badge, the Sheriff's actually let me in. They're the ones that supposedly control this space. They gave me a pass to go up to the second floor and I was there totally illegally. But the NDP said no. Kian Bexie and Rebel News, you're not allowed here. And the sheriffs, they listened. Does she own the premises? I mean, I'm a journalist. I'm here for a press conference. I got the invitation to come here. And then she told me that I didn't meet certain standards. And she hasn't explained to me what those are. She just wants me to leave. Okay, unfortunately, she's telling me to leave because it's a secure area right now. So has she been invited into the building? I have been. Not by I, I have the document, so. Invited in by who? The NDP caucus. Sent a release out to media. Okay. Um, media are invited. Now I didn't want to raise a fuss. I had more questions to ask both the NDP and the United Conservative Party. So I said, fine, I'll wait on the main floor of this building for members to go to question period. And the sheriff said that was fine. As I sat down there in the main area, they said I could be there and make some calls. It'd be totally legit. It's the second floor that you're referring to, um, because yeah, I intend if, to. I intend to. Yeah. If, uh, if you want to, if you want to make phone calls and stuff from the lobby of the building, go for it. 
Sure. Well, that wasn't good enough for the Alberta NDP. So Jeremy Elias, the chief of staff for Rachel Notley, stalked me through this building, following me around until the sheriffs came to his aid. He had two members of the sheriff's department come and escort me off the property. I said, fine, I'll leave. Don't worry about it. I'm on my way out. And as I did, that wasn't even good enough for the sheriff's department, which apparently responds to the orders of Rachel Notley and the NDP. They pushed me, physically pushed me up the stairs. Watch this. Oh, it's Jeremy. What do you know? So you do take orders from the Alberta NDP. Well, actually, you know, I've been meaning to ask you for some time. Was it you that was with Notley when I got that photo with her outside of Hayden Walk? Well, don't push me. Don't push me. I don't care what you have to say. Don't push me. Am I under arrest? If I'm under arrest, you can arrest me. You do not touch me if I'm not under arrest. Trespassing. I've been told to leave, and I'm leaving. Do not. Was it you or him? Did you touch me, or was it him? What's your name? Labucci. Was it you that touched me? Yes. It was you. Okay, perfect. And what's your name? What's your constable sergeant? Please explain to me. Why did you put your hands on me? Because you were asked to. Because the Alberta NDP asked you to? That is exactly what is happening here. And you know that's what happened. No, I'm not sure what my camera caught, but you could certainly hear him admit that. Yeah, that was me who pushed you, Kian. Was it you that touched me? Yes. It was you. Okay, perfect. Now, I'm surprised he admitted that. Officers shouldn't be laying hands on anyone unless they're arresting someone. That is assault. And the NDP specifically, Jeremy and Elias, had the sheriffs do that. Wow, can you believe that footage, folks? I thought there was regime change in Alberta. I thought rebel reporters didn't have to worry about uh, NDP types booting us out of the legislature, but wow, what a sad sight that was. And joining me right now is Kian Bexty, indeed the individual who was given the bums rush out of the legislature. Kian, like I said, I thought there was regime change, or is this a case of, uh, to quote the who, meet the new boss, same as the old boss? Yeah, Ezra used a good word, defenestrate. Um, the NDP were defenestrated by Albertans just a few, well, over a year ago now, uh, and Jason Kenney is running the show here allegedly, but it seems like the sheriffs here have some loyalty to the Alberta NDP caucus, which I find surprising. I find it insulting that the opposition is allowed to determine which media are allowed in. Uh, frankly, the government shouldn't be allowed to determine what media is allowed in and what media is not allowed in. But that's the situation we found ourselves in yesterday when the NDP, uh, their chief of staff and their director of communications colluded with the sheriffs to uh, kick me out of the legislature, even though I had permission explicitly and on camera to be there. You know, Ken, what is the deal with these sheriffs exactly? I mean, are they suffering from Stockholm Syndrome? And I mean, it's not just the ones at the Alberta legislature. I remember you and Sheila running into similar nonsense uh, covering the Jonathan Yaniv trial, where the sheriff actually quoted yeah. legislation that did not exist to kick you out of a public courtroom. What's going on? Yeah, we've had bad luck with sheriffs in every single province that they're in. Uh, there's a few whispers that maybe the sheriffs would be, and I don't know how up to date you are on the story of Alberta replacing the RCMP with a provincial police force. Some suggested that that police force that goes province-wide should be the sheriffs. But in my experience with them, God, that would be the worst case scenario. I'd rather the RCMP, at least the RCMP aren't the ones. Well, actually, I suppose they were. It was the RCMP that threw me out of Justin Trudeau's home 
uh, as well. I, I just have bad histories with police forces. They just seem to be exercising power that they don't actually have. Uh, and it's quite unfair. I really hope for a new Alberta police force uh, that doesn't have the tarnished and sad history uh, that the rest of these guys have. Well, Kian, don't take it personally. Uh, I got tackled and handcuffed by the RCMP at an Andrew Shear campaign stop last October. So it's pretty consistent across the, the board. But hope abounds. I understand you've had discussions with the Minister of Infrastructure, I believe, and uh, this kind of nonsense might be coming to an end. Let's hope. Uh, I spoke with Prasad Panda. I cornered him like I have to do with everyone because I'm not allowed in the legislature. <laughs> Uh, I cornered him outside of the legislature as he was leaving for the night. And I asked him very straightforward questions. Should Rebel News be in the press gallery? Should the press gallery be replaced by the independent press gallery? You know, Ken, that's Malcolm's new venture, the one that says anyone's welcome as long as you don't take money from the government, which pretty much rules out about 75% of the media. <laughs> so uh, Prasad, to my surprise, said, yeah. He said he was an old Wild Rose candidate, uh, so I should know that he would support something like that, which I found very reassuring. Very reassuring. I uh, don't know if you know much about the Wild Rose Party, but it was, uh, the, it was probably the most conservative party that Canada has seen in a generation, more conservative than the Reform Party was. Uh, and he was uh, a former MLA for them, a former candidate, and then became a UCP member and then the Minister of Infrastructure. And now he has control over these grounds that I'm standing in right now. Uh, so I'm very excited to hear that he's such a free speech oriented Minister of Infrastructure. Although I just do find it so strange that the Minister of Infrastructure is the one in charge of media in Alberta. It seems like a Soviet thing, like uh, in the USSR report to the Minister of Infrastructure for your media credentials. It seems very strange to think, but that's just how the cards have fallen here uh, on the legislature grounds. Yeah, that is odd. Ministry of Infrastructure responsible for media. Uh, Kian, exit question. I am so excited about this independent press gallery initiative. Uh, you know, Candace Malcolm of True North is behind this as well. And as you said, it's for independent, non-government funded journalists because the parliamentary press gallery, as you and I and everyone else knows, is uh, an old boys club and it's a closed club. It's, um, you know, members only and for whatever reason, we don't qualify as membership. Here's my crystal ball question for you. Once we get the independent press group, uh, independent press gallery rather, uh, up and running, do you foresee some kind of red herring, bogus BS reason why it won't be recognized? Or are we finally going to get into uh, government press conferences? Well, David, I, it depends who's running the press conferences. Here in Alberta, I, if, I, I would predict we, the, the press gallery, the independent press gallery, would be welcomed with open arms. That's what Prasad Panda just said yesterday. When it comes to Ottawa, there's very official uh, rules and relationships between the crony press gallery, the one that's operated by Justin Trudeau's office, uh, and the Speaker's office in Ottawa. That relationship doesn't exist here in Alberta and a few other provinces. So we'll see uh, how the IPG responds. I, I know that there's tons of journalists interested in the IPG to join it. Uh, it will be a powerful force because not only will you know Spencer Fernando in Winnipeg join it, uh, and myself and Sheila here in Alberta, uh, there will there will be reporters uh, in in British Columbia, maybe even Aaron Gunn with uh, AaronGunn.ca. 
uh, and, and many others who are going to be very interested in being in the IPG and being interested in being in government press conferences. So we'll see how many provinces we can get into before uh, Ottawa has to bend the knee and say, yeah, I, I suppose you deserve to be here as much as anyone in the CPC. Well, we do have freedom of speech. We do have freedom of the press and freedom of expression in this country still. They should let us in. All we're doing is asking questions. And hey, if they don't like the questions, they can always opt for plan B, run away and lock themselves in the bathroom, a.k.a. the Peter McKay strategy. <laughs> Ken, uh, thank you so much and uh, continued good luck in your uh, struggles to get uh, some of these uh, elected officials on camera. Thanks, David. You got it. And that was Kean Bexty in Edmonton. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. But seriously, friends, look at this from the I swear to God legitimate City of Toronto website. Safe for sex during COVID-19. Honestly, I'm already uncomfortable and grossed out and I can't believe I'm going to read these things in a YouTube video, but here we are. Let's read this together. And this is definitely not safe for work or for little ones. So chase them out. And also maybe consider deleting your browser history after this one. Consensual sex can be a way of dealing with anxiety or fulfilling and expressing our needs for intimacy. It can also be pleasurable and help pass the time when isolated indoors. But is it safe to have sex during COVID-19? Sexual contact with new partners or persons who are not in the same household is not recommended at this time. Safer sexual practices may prevent unintended pregnancy and STIs, but it will not prevent infection from COVID-19. COVID-19 can spread through close physical contact. Reduce the spread of COVID-19 and still enjoy sex. Your safest sex partner during the COVID-19 pandemic is yourself. Consensual sexting, virtual sex, video dating, or chat rooms. Have a consensual partner that you are living with in the same household. Do you mean marriage? If you usually meet sex partners online, are polyamorous with people who are not living in the same house, or make a living having sex, consider video dates, sexting, or chat rooms instead of meeting people in person. Protect yourself when having sex, wash your hands before and after having sex, whether alone or with a partner, use condoms or a glove or condom cut open to reduce contact during oral or anal sex. Oh my God. Use condoms to protect from sexually transmitted infections. Clean sex toys and consider covering them with a condom. Do not share sex toys with others. Avoid kissing and having sex with a partner if feeling unwell or if you have COVID-19, just avoid it. Well, there you have it folks from the brainiacs at the city of Toronto the safest sex partner you can court during these dark days of the Wuhan virus is, um, well, <laughs> yourself. Oh, and whatever you do, do not share your sex toys. Can I just say at this point that I don't have any sex toys, although I remember someone once telling me to shove my vintage Batmobile up the tradesman's <laughs> entrance. Does that count? And with more on this tale of Wuhan virus sex, tips by the likes of City Hall in Toronto and Dr. Teresa Tam in Ottawa is Sheila Gunn-Reed. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. 
Hey, David, thanks for having me on this show. <laughs> Sheila, but two things. I want the city to pave the roads. I want them to pick up the trash. I want them to supply clean water. I don't want tutorials from them on how to have sex during a global pandemic. And another thing, isn't it amazing to you, Sheila, that only bureaucrats can make sex tips sound so unsexy? <laughs> You know, Jesus, take the wheel. I just, <laughs> I, you know, when you look at the website, they have an entire web page dedicated to this, these sex tips. And yeah, they range from washing your hands to not sharing your sex toys, which I can't even believe I'm saying right now <laughs> on camera. Like, and that's what I thought the whole time that I was making this video. I, I literally cannot believe that I am saying these things on a YouTube video, but here I am. Life has taken us funny places. But um, somebody created that website and dug up all the information on the website and actually thought that people needed that information on the website so that they could best enjoy sex with total strangers uh, during a global pandemic at the same time, the city is scolding families for doing wholesome things like going out and rollerblading with their kids. Those people are getting tickets. And there's an entire City of Toronto website, like honest to God, City of Toronto website dedicated to giving sex tips during a pandemic. Like society has gone to a very strange and crazy place. You know, it's amazing. You know what I found sort of perversely ironic too, Sheila? They keep stressing the word consensual, consensual. Well, of course, I mean, if it's not consensual, it's a crime. But isn't it kind of funny yeah. right now on City Hall, there is a non-consensual occupation by the forces of Afro-Indigenous rising, whatever that is. Uh, and they're not obeying the law and the city's not enforcing the law. Um, yet they seem so concerned about telling adults how to have sex in a pandemic? Why do they think this is their role to begin with? Because the journalists are asking them about it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> because the journalists actually think that people care or want this information. Like if you, in my video, I started off with a clip of a journalist asking Teresa Tam about, I guess, dating, but it was more like hooking up. And it was a strange thing to watch Teresa Tam, who I don't think that's on her radar, um, struggle to answer the question. Um, she prefaced by saying she's not a dating expert. Well, heck, neither am I. But I, I, the journalists actually think people want this information, that this is what's a pressing issue when, you know, uh, probably unemployment is close to 30 percent. People's businesses are getting nuked every day. They can't stay closed any longer. Normal people are getting tickets for going to the beach. And we have journalists in this country, the pre-approved journalists, by the way, because we can't get into these press conferences to ask real questions like, why are you still working for the World Health Organization, Teresa Tam? No, we have the pre-approved mainstream media journalists asking about dating. So, of course, the government thinks that people care about this stuff because the journalists are asking about this stuff. And neither one of those two parties actually talks to normal people. Yeah, you know, you're, you're right, uh, Sheila, and, and you mentioned that, uh, in fairness, Dr. 
Teresa Tam prefaced her um, uh, speech about sex tips by saying she's not a dating expert, oh, you think? But I mean, really, what was that journalist thinking? This is the, the chief medical health officer, not Xavier Hollander. I mean, you know, goodness gracious, when it comes to, because uh, and, and you touch upon this in your video about uh, tips for uh, prostitution, or yeah. what do they call it now? The, the sex trade, I guess, is the politically sex correct work. word. Sex well, I mean. Prostitution is the second oldest uh, business on the planet. Uh, people call it the oldest, but it's not. That would be agriculture and hunting because you got to eat. Uh, that comes first in the hierarchy and needs sex later. And uh, again, it's like, can't we figure this out? You know, on our own, we're, we're adults after all. And why are you asking people? that presumably have better things to do, including uh, Dr. Tam. Well, yeah, I mean, agriculture was first and hunting was first. You got to keep your energy up if you're going to go into prostitution. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, Sheila, you have is, to say, don't ask me how I know this. But anyways, go I'm ahead. I'm just assuming <laughs> people require a certain energy level for that job job they call it now um but yeah i mean it's weird the media though they've been all over this sort of stuff from the beginning and it's very strange like in my story i dug up how cbc was kind of lamenting well, we're leaving the sex trade out of serb and <laughs> and so they because now because of the coronavirus the coronavirus of all things the prostitutes don't want to work and the Johns are worried about contracting the coronavirus. And for me, I was like, have the media really blown the coronavirus out of proportion so far that now the Johns and the prostitutes are more worried about the coronavirus than AIDS, gonorrhea, herpes, syphilis, and serial killers? Because I think that's the case now. None of those other things made the hooker stay home, but the coronavirus is, which only speaks to just how much the media has amplified how bad this virus is or isn't. No, you're so right, Sheila. And I mean, and we do know that if you're young and healthy, you have, uh, what is it, a six times higher chance of getting killed crossing the street than yep. you do of dying with the dying of the Wuhan virus. Anyways, what bizarre times uh, we're living in and, and the fear mongering I fear uh, does latch on. As a matter of fact, last night, uh, I tried to hug uh, Lady Menzoid and she said, can we do it virtually? Yeah, you know, <laughs> you win some, you lose some with the fear-mongering, I guess, don't you? <laughs> I hate this new normal. Sheila, we got to wrap it here before I get into real trouble. Yeah. Uh, thank you again for one of the most bizarre sidebar stories of the Wuhan virus in 2020 to date. It is uh, so unintentionally funny. I, I, I hope all our viewers, if they haven't seen your commentary, will flock to it now and see it in its entirety. Thank you so much. Thanks, David. Have a great weekend. You too. And that is Sheila Gunn-Reed somewhere in the northern hinterland of Alberta. Keep it here, folks. We'll be back right after this. As we observed in our 12-hour stay at the square on Monday, 
almost all of those tents that you see in that so-called sacred circle are empty. In fact, a couple of tents actually blew away. There's literally nothing in them, and they had to be brought back to the circle. The ringleaders are based in the major big tents. That's where I, I believe uh, the cooking equipment is and whatnot. And yes, they were told on Friday uh, they were found guilty of, I believe, 11 sections of the Trespass Act. And they were supposed to leave today, Monday, but, well, the devil's in the details, isn't it, folks? Because the language of the trespass notice was uh, the city may evict them, not will evict them. So take a look at this footage. We're going to the Sheridan Hotel, really just to get away from this mob. And there is a lady who is following us, and she said something astonishing. Basically, she's going to the Sheridan a hotel as well, not to harass us, but because she's a registered guest. She even took out her key card and showed it to us. Check it out. interesting I mean here's this group they're all about anarchy they're all about systemic racism they're all anti-capitalist and, and about tearing things down but when it comes to the ringleaders of afro-indigenous rising you think they're staying outside overnight in this humidity uh, in a tent with no plumbing no they're going to the Sheridan Hotel where the average room is over $200 a night you know it is incredible we saw this exact same phenomena back in the days when Ezra and I were at Sun News Network um, the tent city at St. James Park for the um, uh, for the protest of the day then that we proved with an infrared camera that the vast majority of the tents were empty and they were staying mostly at the Holiday Inn down the road. And then in February, you may recall, I went to Ottawa. Remember Anne Cognito, not her real name? She allegedly walked from Calgary to Ottawa and set up a filthy tent city at the War Memorial in Ottawa in order to get a meeting with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, whose office was across the street. Well, I went to call in her in the wee hours of the evening evening and here's what we found back in February hi we're just um we're just seeing if there's anybody in this encampment and we've uh, gone to one two three four five tents so far is uh is there there's someone in this tent here we seem to be talking to someone so I guess the answer would be yes uh, absolutely okay w would this be Ann Cognito <laughs> I'm David Menzies with Rebel News. I think we met a couple of months ago. Okay, goodbye. Well, there you have it, folks. Fake, fraudulent, and phony. The Afro-Indigenous Rising Collective is really akin to the old Pontiac Fiero. All show and no go. So why is Mayor John Tory continuing to negotiate with these flim-flam Antifa types when they've already been served with trespass notices? Oh, yeah, I almost forgot. The mayor is still testicular challenge. So the entire city and its law-abiding citizens must suffer in the meantime. What an incredibly bad joke. In any event, you had much to say about this phony baloney con game being played out at Hogtown City Hall, so let's get right to it. Liberty or Death writes, 
It was obvious from the beginning, everything is fake, fake virus, fake orders, fake people, fake political movements. Yes, liberty or death, it's a scam. So the question is, why are the powers that be tolerating this utter nonsense? Cottage Country Bruce writes, Toronto is a dangerous place to be avoided. You know, I'll say this, Bruce, this is not the Toronto of my youth. This is not the Toronto that I once loved so much, and it doesn't have to be this way. But unfortunately, we have too many gutless political leaders that suffer from paralysis by analysis thanks to political correctness. Love is the answer, writes, don't be surprised if somehow our taxes are paying for this. You know, good point, uh, Love is the answer. So many of these professional protesters are unemployed and unemployable. I wonder how many are taking advantage of the CERB in order to stay at swank downtown Toronto hotels. Terrence Appleby writes, let's call it what it is, astroturfing, the attempt to create an impression of widespread grassroots support for a policy, individual or product, where little such support exists. You know, Terrence, that is exactly what it is. They want you to think this is a movement. It's nothing but a scam. Chris B. writes, Afro-Indigenous, what is this even supposed to mean? An acknowledgement that they are in the wrong country? Hey, let's not forget that a big chunk of these protesters are as white as Snow White, but I guess those Caucasians identify as being Afro-Indigenous because, hey, that's how the loony left rolls these days, folks. And Brad Zemla writes, Rebel, you should dig deeper. This seems very suspicious and seems like those protesters were being funded if they can afford $200 a night hotels and tents that are empty. I totally agree, Brad. With every story, the golden rule is to follow the money. Someone or some organization with deep pockets is funding these lunatics. Hopefully, we can connect those dots in the weeks to come. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.